0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to show number 340 from Engage for Success. I'm host for today's show. I'm Jo Moffat. Um, I'm one of the uh, co-radio show hosts at Engage for Success. And uh, along with Joe Dodds, my other host, um, I'm also co-strategy director of our social movement. And our Um, purpose is about inspiring people and workplaces to thrive and um, at the moment I suppose we possibly need to adapt that and say that our purpose is inspiring people and their virtual workplaces to thrive and so I'd just like to welcome all of those listeners to the show who are tuning in from somewhere that is not their usual place of work um, and hope that you are all um, beginning to get to grips with what is clearly um, you know a, a very overused word but clearly very true unprecedented of times. Um, But we're going to stick with our our normal schedule in terms of our normal topic, and I think we might go off-piste a little bit to begin with. Uh, Today's show is going to be looking at employee engagement from the perspective of a manager, and we're going to be asking what can a manager actually do about it. And to help us navigate that discussion, I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest, Joe Espana. Um, Joe is executive consultant and coach at Performance Equations, and he's going to be discussing this with me in the next sort of half an hour. So welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Delighted to be with you, Joe. Thanks for inviting it- me.
0: Yes, lots of Joes, so two Joe's host the radio show now we have Joe as a guest it 's all going to get all going to get very confusing i think um, but yes, yeah, so well thank you for joining us and um we're going to be talking really about the particular emphasis that the line manager's role um uh, or the, the, that we need to place on the role of the line manager um in terms of employee engagement um uh, but before and of course that's that is one of our it's four enablers of engagement as far as empl- engagement success is concerned the uh, Engage in in, enabler number two is is very much about the the role the line manager plays in this, but um, but before we get into that, um, you know, as we as we were saying before the uh, before the show kicked off, very much the um, you know the topic, the burning topic of the moment, uh, is the is the current climate, which is something that is impacting all of us um, pretty much wherever we are working in the world. Um, and and I think really, as far as the current climate is concerned, um, many managers are being thrust into a role that they've not necessarily had any training for um, or any support. And we often talk, don't we, about how line managers often don't get an awful lot of training for being people managers. And if that's the case, I think it's fair to say they get even less when it comes to managing remote teams. So um, that makes really today's conversation even more topical, I think, doesn't it, Joe? So what what are your views about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... um... One of the things that struck me, literally in the last three weeks, where when everything is starting to clamp down, is how more and more people, throughout social media and just conversations I've been having generally with colleagues and the network, is this is a real hot potato subject, isn't it? All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. for you know, here we were perhaps uh, running a team of having many all co-located or maybe with nowadays with flexible working where people might have taken the odd day or two and worked from home. Now we're all in disparate locations, uh, all trying to do as best we can in in the circumstances. And it's a real challenge for for Mm. team leaders, team managers. You know, how do I still achieve all the things that I want to achieve with my team uh, Mm -hmm. and also at the same time acknowledge... How they might be feeling about everything, with all the uncertainty about future employment and everything that's, you know, just the general uncertainty. So it's a, it's a real challenge, and I think that um, this is a bit of a comet with a very long tail. The whole issue of uh, if we thought that, uh, you know, maybe engaging our colleagues and and team members while we were all together in a place of work, um, it's going to be even harder uh, mm-hmm. when we're all. Disparate, I think. So it's a really complicated
0: subject. Uh, absolutely, it is. I mean, we—it's interesting actually. I and mean, we um, would read my my uh, consultancy. We did a we did a blog on this last week about how about the challenges of it and and. we kind of looked at it from a slightly different perspective because I think one of the other sides of the equation is that on the one hand you've got line managers and and leaders trying to think how can we motivate and engage our people to maintain levels of productivity Um, and if you're not careful actually that can from an employee perspective make them feel a sense of kind of almost always on you know that they dare not step away from their Computer, they dare not step away from their laptop, and of course, that's that's you know only a recipe for disaster when it comes to sort of burnout and, and everything else. So we we kind of looked at how managers really do need to um, trust their people, and I know that's going to be a theme that you're going to be you're going to be talking about. So I'll um, I would I would. Uh, recommend that as a read to anyone who's listening. So go to woodread.com forward slash blog and, and see what you think about that. And, and uh, um, you know, certainly, Joe, do, do pick up on that too. So let's, let's get back to the, the topic then, employee engagement and what can a manager actually do about it. Now, as I say, it's the second of the Engage for Success four enablers. Um, the first one being what is clearly an important one which is the, the important role of leaders in organizations um, but I think you, you you really think that it that that's really where the emphasis ought to lie don't you in terms of in terms of managers um, very much something that that they can do at a micro level and I just wonder if you could sort of explain your your philosophy of that a little bit more for us Joe.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't say that it's something that I've invented or anything like that. It's basically an accumulation of a study I did with, with colleagues over, over several years and then testing out ideas with clients, which was trying mm. to synthesize all the research that was out there. We did a massive uh, desktop piece of research in terms of all you know people with bigger brains than me were working on this subject. And it occurred to me from what we were reading that, You know, there's there's no doubt whatsoever that there are a number of multiple factors uh, affecting employee engagement, um, and and organisations apply a range of people strategies, don't they? So that can be from total reward and benefit, recognition programs, internal communications, obviously training and development, career and succession planning, and maybe even where they've got it, community involvement programs. But that's kind of like big picture, sort of big organisational. Uh, efforts, but mm-hmm. what we found from the reading was that actually the main engine. There's two things actually. One is that the main engine of um, or the operating level at which engagement actually lived was at the team level, and right. pivotal to that was the the relationships that pre- predominantly between the team members and the line manager, their immediate line manager. And by the way, mm-hmm. this was true not just for front line, but all the way through. And you get people like uh, Patrick Lincioni talking about this, doesn't he, with the five behaviors of an effective team. So mm-hmm. the role of the, uh, the, the immediate line manager at whatever level of the organization is kind of like a fulcrum <clears throat> driving this thing forward amongst other things, obviously. It's not to discount other things, it's such a pivotal thing, and um, what they're doing makes a big difference. So what managers do, how they behave, what they say, how they say it, that all of mm-hmm. that affects mm-hmm. the sense of engagement that uh, individuals might have in their team. Um, and so that's, you know, we've taken it right down to the, most, uh, the smallest uh, operating unit that we can find rather than the, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, the entire organization approach.
0: Mm, mm. And these may not even be people that have the name, have the, the word manager in their job title, mightn't might they, Joe? I mean, they could well no, be indeed. team leaders, shift supervisors, you know, exactly. that kind of thing.
1: Anybody that has uh, – one of the interesting things, and I think there's uh, a nice overlap with uh, – a nice overlap in the sense of the impact all this is going to have, um, an overlap with our current situation is – it's starting to ask some – or rather, it's accelerating some of the questions that have raised, are being raised about the very nature of work and this whole notion of hierarchical or matrix structure and actually titles. So, in fact, I'm working with a, um, a, a company based in Tunbridge, in fact, um, where right. they don't have managers at all. What they've got is they divided the traditional manager role into two. One mm-hmm. which is responsible for direction, um, yes, yeah, strategic directions, so and identifying KPIs and measurement of KPIs, and pe- helping people to formulate um, objectives and that kind of thing. But then mm-hmm. the other side of the role, so that's kind of like the operational activity. The other side of the role, which is we might label as performing, so the individual's mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. Um, is labeled the coach, and a coach can be anybody in the organization. Oh, how It doesn't have interesting. to be your, the, the person that you kind of – there isn't kind of like a formalized reporting structure in that sense.
0: But nice. nevertheless,
1: the need to create circumstances where – and this is where I, I think I diverge slightly in terms of definitions. I know that when um, the Nita and David uh, – Nita Clark and David McLeod mm-hmm. first – wrote the book on it, they, they, they found at least 50 de- different definitions mm. of engagement. But I, mm. but I think the one thing that's, that's happened in terms of the, the time I've been working on this subject, which is, gosh, n- nearly coming up to 10 years with clients, is that it doesn't matter what you call it, what your definition is, but understand how the, the circumstances create a situation whereby an individual, at whatever level in the organization can feel a sense of engagement with what the business is trying to achieve the the fact that my ro- my role matters and that I enjoy mm-hmm. coming to work and I like the people I work with, and I feel connected to something and so <clears throat> I think it 's nothing to do with titles I think it's mm-hmm. to do with that sort of uh, human relationship and the outcome of, of feelings that emerge from it which actually contribute to what this team or this function or this business as we go up uh, is trying to achieve. And I think that yeah. those are key things. I think the, the other thing that emerged is that this big overlap between our sort of uh, approach, my approach, and uh, the Engage for Success uh, uh, model in the sense that uh, the four fundamental pillars that kept on uh, repeating themselves every time we read about things but actually tested it out with clients was that there's the four fundamental pillars, and you've mentioned one of them already, trust, the sense of emotional connection that an individual might have with the business and this team, the actual workplace climate, and I think the, more, the most difficult pillar is the sense of personal ownership for whatever level of engagement I might have. And so those kept on emerging yeah. quite well, we'll strongly. Talk, I'd like you know. to
0: talk about them. I'd like to explore them in a little, a little bit in a in a moment. I have to say, I couldn't agree with you more about the. It doesn't matter what you call it. There's there's so many aspects of this whole uh, area, aren't there? Where where people it seems to me people expend far too much energy debating the titles the labels the definitions than they do in terms of actually practically rolling up their sleeves and getting out and doing something about it and um you know what is the definition of engagement is is one of those and um, do we call it engagement or do we call it experience or do we call it loyalty you know what do we call it motivation yeah. it's um but it, I, i'm fascinated by this organization you mentioned And just before we move on perhaps we just talk a little bit more about about them and without without sort of sharing any commercial confidentialities. What kind of sector are they in and what kind of size organization are they and how have they taken such a, what drove them to take what is actually many people listening might think is quite such a radical step of introducing this kind of coach role?
1: Well, um, I'd urge everybody perhaps at the end of this to actually uh, have a look at the series of posts I put on LinkedIn uh, where I interviewed the operations director um, uh, precisely about that question you've just asked me, where just over a year ago, so let me just first point out the things that they've achieved, and they've really taken a very radical approach to all of this. Mm-hmm. there in the now there may be some questions about what they did couldn't apply to much larger organizations with much more formalized structures but their sector is digital marketing they're a young in terms of demographic they're a young organization uh-huh. uh they've grown tremendously in terms of employee numbers i think they're up to about 30 or so so it's not huge but they're 30 mm-hmm. literally in the last 2 years but mm-hmm. some of the results that they've achieved are just outstanding. Uh, So I'll just give you a couple to point out. So they're number one in Kent um, for the Sunday Times top 100 companies to work for. Uh They are number 11, I think, in the UK um, and then got all sorts of other different awards associated with that. And that is in the first attempt, the first attempt of listing on the uh, Sunday Times 100. Mm -hmm. When I interviewed mm-hmm. um, uh, the operations director, uh, I said, well, you know, what what drove all of this? And it, basically, it was a sense of we can't be doing all the stuff that we've always been used to years back. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to get the same kind of um, connection, mm-hmm. a, a desire, and a sense of purpose by doing all the old stuff. So mm-hmm. over a period of time, they basically borrowed all sorts of ideas from all sorts of areas and and worked really hard on their culture to practically implement all of these ideas with the staff. So it was a collective effort, uh, Mm -hmm. even to the extent of now, you know, some of the things you might hear hear about them is that, uh, for example, they have unlimited um, um, annual leave, paid annual leave. And the interesting thing was... (laughs) Uh, so they've unlimited annual leave, um, all sorts of other benefits, but actually uh, they've uh, they've they've really worked really hard on the notion of giving autonomy mm. and responsibility within certain guidelines to their employees. And mm. the thing that they've achieved from a pound, is and pence, old money, I know showing my age there. <laughs> That's all right. We know um, what you mean.
0: I certainly know a, what you mean. From a,
1: sure. from a bottom line point of view, their profits um, have jumped enormously.
0: Uh, and mm-hmm. over two
1: consecutive years, they've, they've bit, beaten uh, everything. So I think the fig- they're in three, three digits, the, the growth of uh, their profitability Gosh. and their business growth. All so
0: right. well, it's, I said, it's a yeah. really interesting case study. Yeah, so that's all on, interviews are all on your LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile, yeah, Joe. Just, uh, I, I, uh, yeah. yeah, certainly I should go and have a look at that, because that sounds really yeah, interesting, Tumbridge being just down the road from me as well. That's just a, a whole new dimension to it. So well, I the, guess from what you were describing there... Sorry? The company
1: is Redico,
0: and if you just look
1: at my posts, there's a series mm-hmm. of... Um, um, video interviews I, I held with Luke Kite who's the uh, okay. he's now changed his okay. title but his original title was operations director
0: right 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 interesting well, I should definitely seek that out so I mean from what you were just saying and, and talking about those, those what you think are the four most important factors in helping managers actually do something about employee engagement you talked about trust emotional connection climate and ownership i mean clearly when you talk about unlimited annual holiday and you that's that plays very much to trust of course doesn't it and then that whole accountability thing plays very much to ownership i guess but on now just to to talk a little bit then because I'm very conscious that I I sort of diverted you down that route but I was just fascinated to learn a little bit more about it I think our listeners probably would be too and tell us a little bit about these four factors if you would Joe
1: okay well briefly and I think that uh, the example the case study I I sort of alluded to um, really is predicated on the very first factor this first pillar of trust Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of is the cornerstone of everything. And the way that um, team leaders, managers, supervisors, even more senior leaders, what they actually do to create a sense of trustworthiness in them, but also their expression of trust in their uh, employees and direct line reports, that kind of thing, is Mm -hmm. massively important. I think Mm -hmm. it was, uh, and I'm I'm probably uh, paraphrasing here, but it was, I think, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Mm -hmm. People, that he he basically said, you know, without trust, we don't really collaborate. We only coordinate, and at very best, cooperate, and it's Mm -hmm. trust that transforms a work group into a team. And there's just tons of research on this subject and really great writers like Patrick Lincione, Paul Zak, John Blake, uh, Blakey, Stephen Covey Sr., and Stephen Covey Jr. And, of course, then David Meister, who actually came up with the trust equation. So it's, it's really, really at the center of it all, and how mm-hmm. leaders or managers actually express this, and the, you know, the kind of things that they could do that, was particularly from Lincione, show... Um, Vulnerability, trust, and their willingness to to actually say, "Well, I admit I don't have all the answers," and I think that's particularly pertinent right now, when you know mm. a lot of managers still don't have all the answers. You know, and, and there is a big desire, sort of an innate human desire, isn't there, to want to help and support people, but we don't have all the answers. But the the, the almost counterintuitive thing is the willingness to be open about that. Actually, creates uh, bonds of trust. Mm. Um, disclosing yes. things about oneself in terms of um, previous experiences, mm. or even indeed my own fears and concerns about the current situation, again creates those bonds of relationship trust. Mm. Uh, uh. Other things would be like openly admitting mistakes and taking responsibilities for you know when things go wrong, and, and providing a genuine apology. All of those things. Create those kind of weave in into the DNA of the of the team and the relationships in the team a much greater sense of trust. Which, you know, as David Meister would say, is not just about having sort of business credibility that makes you trustworthy as a as a mm. manager as a leader. That competence mm. is no longer enough. It's all these. It's a whole package, isn't it? About
0: it is. And I guess how, I mean that would would i say that would it be true to say that that leads on to the second one the emotional connection because it actually takes a considerable amount of emotional intelligence to demonstrate that you trust your people and to earn their trust doesn't it is that is that Absol- what you mean absolutely. by that absolutely
1: yeah totally what what we found was that you know probably describing them as as almost as if they were separate pillars doesn't do them justice because it's more of these pieces of a jigsaw puzzle working together. together. So Mm -hmm. there is this component which is about uh, individuals feeling emotionally connected to this team and loyalty to this team, this effort, collective effort, this organization, and actually enjoying that. Well, that's kind of influenced by how I feel uh, uh, around the the trust relationship I might have with my team members and and my immediate line manager, but Mm -hmm. also that's part of the story in relation to the actual work climate that we've got. You know, organizations often, and certainly clients I work with, talk a lot about organizational culture, and I often say to them, well, yes – But actually, if you want to affect the change, or transformation of organizational culture, that's too big of an elephant to eat in all in one go. Let's Mm -hmm. actually focus in on a smaller factor, which is climate. You know, the climate of you and me here now and what kind of atmosphere, tone are we creating? What we know is, and the, the, the research on this is just now overwhelming, that the tone is set by the uh, The immediate line manager and the the mm-hmm. emotional connection that is created there um, it's you know all the data seems to suggest that the the line manager or the sort of person responsible for the team um, will create and influence this these feelings of 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 feeling connected and so some mm-hmm. of the practical things will be stuff around you know things like <clears throat> the quality of feedback, the quality of the conversations, the nature of the conversations, um, how leaders and managers, supervisors, whatever their role is, enable people to be heard uh, and provide recognition uh, for the kind of things they're doing so that the, the receiver of those messages, the employee feels, actually what I do counts and really matters to the bigger effort. And that's mm. very affecting of, around how how people connect emotionally. And of course it provides a sense of pride as well
0: in yes, terms of course. you know what
1: are, what we're trying to yeah. do together.
0: Mm. So Joe, can so, I ask you how sorry, can I just, just sorry to interrupt you there, but just sure. just to sort of explain how you see climate as differing from culture?
1: I see it as a component part. So mm-hmm. culture, you know, the so the, the The vernacular way of describing it nowadays is um, culture is the way we do things around here. And obviously there's Mm -hmm. going to be all sorts of norms and behaviors and the values of the espoused values of the organization. All those kind of things contribute to the desired culture that uh, a company, big or small, wants to create. Mm -hmm. But actually making it happen operates at a sort of more, again, more micro level, which is what's it like for most people to come and work with me? And the tone that I set, whether it's, a, you know, a buzzy atmosphere, whether it's fun to be here, whether there's an atmosphere of enjoyment, whether there's mm-hmm. psychological safety. So, for example, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can raise without without fear uh, anything on any topic and it, it won't ruin any of the relationships here. So, client is a, really about how we feel about things here as opposed mm-hmm. to culture being the way we do things around here. Okay,
0: thank you. And I'm conscious that time is moving on. We've got just under five minutes left. And can we talk a little bit about the fourth one, and Own ownership? What what? Yeah, I, what part yeah. does that play?
1: This one's really, really the uh, important and the most difficult, I think, from, from what mm-hmm. I've seen. But in terms of the literature and also what was happening at work, and and it kind of relates to the notion I've been describing about moving from the macro down to the micro. One of the mm-hmm. one I think one of the challenges of thinking about employee engagement at the macro wider organisational level is that for many people that still feels a bit like it's being done to me. And very uh-huh. often it's through through the the auspices of a, an annual survey or something like that, and maybe a yeah. you know a conversation around the report kind of thing. But okay, still, that's.
0: Absolutely, one of my pet hates this idea that you do employee engagement to somebody. Oh, it's Thursday afternoon, I'd better do some employee engagement. I can, I can tick that box. No, you know, Indeed. so I'm with you. So we Absolutely need to change on that. The,
1: the paradigm in a way, the, the mindset around this, and, and mm. um, line managers have a really big role to play here because if you can imagine, sort of in your mind's eye, a wedge... The way mm-hmm. is that we're trying to move the whole notion of, in inverted commas, the responsibility for building higher levels of engagement from the organization to the employee. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of t- touching into the realms of, um, um, you know, mental, resp- <laughs> mental health and uh, good health and well-being. In the sense mm. of people taking responsibility for how I feel around here. Now mm-hmm. I do believe that you think taking that wedge uh, kind of example for a moment, if you can visualise that, I think in order to get that ball rolling, uh, mixing my metaphors slightly, the the organisation, but particularly the line manager, has to do certain things to just get the get the ball rolling a bit. But the the, the overall objective in terms of moving towards ownership is that. Getting people to feel I can do certain things about how I feel working in this situation, and that mm-hmm. I can actually actively uh, instigate things with my line manager and with my team in order mm-hmm. to increase our level of engagement after all we 're going to get a re- you know if we do a survey we 're going to get a report, but rather mm-hmm. than saying what's the company going to, I mean, I'm stealing a little bit from uh, John Kennedy, aren't I? You know, it's not, don't think what can the company do for you, but rather <laughs> yes. what can you do for yourself? Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And, so it's a two directional thing, been, isn't being... it? In, those, in terms of those factors, really, you've got a certain amount of it in the, in the hands and the gift of the manager, the team leader, the coach or whatever name we're going to give them. And then there's mm. also a sense whereby they're trying to convey the fact that actually their people can can and should and would want to play their part in kind of doing some doing doing some work from the ground up. So they kinda of come together. In this.
1: Definitely. That's what mm-hmm. we've noticed over, uh, over the years is that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously other people have sort of with bigger brains have kind of articulated this better than me. But if you take people mm-hmm. like Daniel Pink, where he talked about purpose, mastery and autonomy, of course. it kind of, of plays, course, yeah. up, it plays into that where yeah. you know, if you give people the freedom within certain criteria and, uh, and just allow them, provide the, you know, a release of the reins, very often mm. people will identify, maybe with a bit of help, what the real purpose is. Yeah. And they want to be okay. really good. And all of that is engaging so that they feel, I really want to come into work today because it's actually exciting and I enjoy it. So, mm. you know, again, I think there's a connection here with Maslow as well because, I mean, if you think of today, if you're really, really worrying about have I got a job by the end of the month, then obviously your levels of engagement are kind of going to be quite low. Of course. But again, the, the, the data says uh, a proactive line manager at whatever level in the organization can actually influence that in a positive way, even mm-hmm. despite the fact that people are maybe thinking, you know, I'm, I'm out okay. of a job or anything else. And it's connected yes. to employee experience as well because your their experience today is, the brand of the organization and so Mm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know however we treat people today is the perceptions that they will be the lasting perceptions they'll be left with and i think the manager plays a really pivotal role in that
0: And that's a fabulous point at which we need to end, I'm afraid, because we've run completely out of time. But I think we've spent a lot of time in depth on some of those things, which has been great. So um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I'll point them towards your LinkedIn page, Joe. Joe Espana, thank you very much for taking us through the topic this afternoon. And um, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice. For people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Lucky Land Casino.
0: Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?